Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you have hit the play button and you're joining me on today's podcast and just praying already that this conversation today will just stir your faith and help sharpen your aim as we press every day into the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 talks about, I do not believe that I have apprehended everything, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I reach, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we're pressing towards that mark, but a big part of it is learning how to forget, learning how to let yesterday be yesterday, even if some of the consequences of yesterday's choices remain. And sometimes that's where we get stumbled up is sometimes the the consequences remain. Even though we've prayed, we've received forgiveness and the and the shame's off of it and the guilt's gone by the blood of Jesus and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes our decisions that weren't good decisions, consequences remain. And so sometimes there is a time for those things to get fully redeemed, fully resorted and realigned. And, and so, and especially when it involves people and children and grandchildren and, and, you know, maybe they're the other person in the situation isn't really pressing into Christ likeness. And so, you know, sometimes it all, all the little wrinkles don't just iron out right away. But we can walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can walk in the love of God, and we can walk continually in the communion of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to share as we begin here today's conversation um, just by saying thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Marksman community. Thanks you for just uh, hitting that play button, because a huge vote of confidence would be is if you just share this. Share this podcast with your friends. Share this podcast with the guys you're doing life with, the friends you're doing life with, and young and old makes no difference what their age. All will be encouraged, all will be stirred, and we can lean uh, up upon each other, and we can lean into Christ together as we press through the corruption of our our time, because we live in very corrupted and polluted times, and and the Bible's clear in Isaiah, it's, it's going to get darker and darker, it's going to wax uh, darker and darker. But the light of Christ in us is just going to be even brighter as we just stay steady and walk steady and we remain strong and courageous. So here in Matthew chapter 6, I want to begin kind of today's uh, conversation. We're continuing along the lines of talking about a kingdom grant. You know, how do we, how do we partner with heaven's provision I mean, we have become joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 8 says we have been made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I mean, my wife and I, when we file our taxes each year, we file them as joint, right? Joint. It's a joint filing. We have checking accounts. We have joint accounts. What does that mean? We share the same account. And to be a joint heir with Jesus, what did he inherit? It's what we inherited. And so how does that become a reality? How does that play out? How do we begin to live that out in our everyday life? How do we go from just looking to our job as a source to seeing that the kingdom of God is the source? God is my source. 
and he has a lot of streams that can be brought into my life. And even if one stream dries up, he can replace it with four other streams. But the key is not looking at the stream as the source. It's looking at God, where the stream comes from. Because if that one dries up, then what do you know? He's got something else coming because he's the source. And he loves us. He's going to provide for us. He's going to make sure that everything we need is going to be provided for according to his riches and glory, Philippians 4 and 19. But I love this. Um, as we talk about pressing into Christ's likeness, as we talk about a kingdom grant, Matthew chapter 6, how could you not talk about Matthew chapter 6? Tremendous teaching on prayer, to, tremendous teaching. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all red letters. This is like a Jesus podcast, right? <laughs> you're listening to the Marksman podcast. You can, as soon as you get done with this, you can go right to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, read it out loud, and your ears will be tuned in to the Jesus podcast. And you'll be hearing Jesus, 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 and he'll be teaching you, and he'll be teaching me. And so I'm just, I'm pulling this out of the Jesus podcast, right? In Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about, you know, um, not having, he, well, he begins by saying in verse 24, no one can have two masters. He's either going to love the one and hate the other or stand by the one and be devoted to the other or and despise against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That is deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever else would be trusted in. We got to make a choice. We talked about last week, if you missed it, we talked about how wisdom is the win. And how do we press into the relationship? How do we trust the relationship? How do we, how do we, uh, faith, how do we look at faith more as trust and relationship than just theology and belief? So, but we're going to continue. He says, uh, where we go? Matthew 24, 624. Um, we can't trust, we have to make a choice. We got to pick a lane, right? Kid, sons, <laughs> sons love to say, Pick a lane, private. We got to we got to pick a lane where we're going, and and we can't just be running both sides of the. That's how a crash happens when you drive on both sides of the road. So you got to you don't want a faith crash. So you got to pick a lane, right? And we want to flow with God and against the world. We don't want to flow with the world against God. I want to say that again. We got to pick a lane, and I, I highly suggest to myself and to you, we flow with God against the world rather than flowing with the world against God. And that's what Jesus is laying out in this teaching right here when he says you can't serve two masters. You got to pick a lane. You got to choose your flow. I want to say that again. You got to choose your flow. Is the world going to be my flow or is the kingdom going to be my flow? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus prayed about that in John 17 for you and for me. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. He didn't pray that we would be taken out of the world. He just prayed that we'd be protected from the evil one. He even talked about that earlier in this same chapter, Matthew 6, when he taught on prayer. But here we go, verse 25 now. Therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Now this is the Amplified. Stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear, is not life 
greater in quality than food, and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? And then he says, look at the birds. Man, you got to get out of nature to experience God. You just have to get out in nature and to see the glory of God's creation. It speaks to us. Creation speaks on behalf of the Creator. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap. Let that... <laughs> this, this may kind of tip some theology here today, but I mean, Jesus said what Jesus said. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into bards, yet your Heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not much more valuable and worth more than they? Come on, somebody. Don't, don't let that steal something from you. Let that release something into your heart today. Because here's the thing. Man was the final thing that God created after he had created the birds, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, everything that creeped on the earth. He then created man and then gave man dominion. See, part of this heavenly grant teaching is about stepping into dominion. But we're never going to step into dominion until we get under authority and we get into a place of trust in our Father. And so he's, he's given this illustration, you might say. which of These birds don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into bards. Are you not much more valuable than they? Your Father's feeding them. And then he says, and who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one cubit or one unit of measure to his stature or his span of life? You know, you know, I'm not that tall. I wish sometimes I could add a few cubits to my stature, (laughs) but no matter how much I try to, to worry and stress, it's never made me any taller. Right. And we certainly know that worry and anxiety and fear, it's not going to add years to your life. It's going to cut your life short. Even medical science has learned the you know most diseases are rooted in stress. They're stress disorders. Stress broke the body down. Stress broke the immune system down. Stress is not being responsible. Stress is a killer. I want to say that again. Stress is not being responsible. Stress is a killer. Don't let the devil dress up stress and say, oh, you're just being responsible by being stressed. No, we need to trust our Father. And whatever it takes to shake off that stress and shake off that fear. And right now in the name of Jesus, I speak to someone today and I just, I take that fear and I take that stress and I challenge it with the blood of Jesus. And I say that if God did not withhold his only begotten son, but he delivered him up for us all, then he will with him also freely give you all things. That's Romans chapter eight. God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So he goes on. That was verse 25. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Well, I just read that. (laughs) Read it again. Uh, Verse 27, who by worrying or being anxious can add one unit of measure or cubit or stature to the span of his life? And again, worry and stress won't add years. It actually cuts years off. You'll shorten your life. I will, excuse me, I will shorten my life by being anxious and, and stressed. Verse 28, 
Why should we be anxious about clothes? Again, don't just limit this to Levi's and and, and ball caps and, and cars. I mean, this is anything, anything that we require. Don't just let this be about the clothing on your back. That's just, it's just, it's illustrative of the things that we need, of the things that we need. Why should we be anxious about clothes or anything that we need? But in this example, he says, consider the lilies of the field. Learn how thoroughly they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't work. Yet I say even Solomon in all his magnificence, his excellence, his dignity and grace, he was not even arrayed like one of these lilies. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, verse 30, which today is, is alive, green, but tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, will he not much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. This is the Jesus podcast where I'm, I'm quoting from Jesus, right? Matthew 6, verse 30. He says, when we stress over things that we're going to eat, or over things that we're going to wear, just our natural needs of life, whatever that would be. It's, it's not going to be responsible to be stressed. It's going to cut our time short. It's going to make us very, very unpleasant to be around. And how many of your children especially don't want to be around stressed parents because they'll, they're just not designed for it. In fact, none of us are designed for stress. We're designed to live in a trusting, loving, safe a beautiful relationship with our Father. And that's the relationship that Jesus made available to us all. So he goes on now, verse 31. So he says, Therefore, do not be uh, anxious, do not worry, saying. So here's the key. We've got we to gotta watch what we say, watch how we talk. Because here's the key of whether or not we're worrying or being anxious. It's not because we, now here, I want to help somebody here today because this is how God helped me. Just because you're tempted to be worried, to worry, or you're tempted to be stressed, and you have a feeling or you have a thought and that comes upon you, that doesn't mean you are and that doesn't mean you've yielded. But once it comes out your mouth and once you start speaking in that flow, remember I talked about you got to choose your flow. One of the ways you choose your flow is you choose your words. Don't choose the flow of stress. Don't choose the flow of worry. Don't choose the flow of anxiety by by not choosing words that express stress and express fear and anxiety and worry. We choose our flow by choosing the kingdom, choosing the, the flow of God's love for us, God's protection of us. We might have to get right in here in Matthew 6 and just read what Jesus said and say, nope, I'm going to choose to believe Jesus. And he told me not to worry. He told me not to be anxious. He told me not to be stressed. So I'm going to choose the flow of trust. I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to trust the relationship I have with God. We talked about that last week in last week's podcast, that when we say, I'm trusting you, God, you're actually saying, I trust us. I trust our relationship. I trust what we have as a relationship. So verse 31, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, and that's just a word 
for someone without covenant with God, someone outside the covenant of God. That's a Gentile. So the non-covenant people say, and they talk this way, they wish and they crave and they diligently seek the things that he just mentioned, and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, if you back up in chapter 6 here, he talks about the Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Let me back up and I'll grab that verse for you. Um, Back up in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, he says, verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand praying in the synagogues and the corners of the streets. They want to be seen by men. He goes, they have their reward. He said, but when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not heap up a bunch of phrases, multiply your words, repeating the same thing over and over and over like Gentiles, for they think that they'll be heard because of their much speaking. He said, do not be like them. Verse eight, your father knows what you need before you ask. Now notice, he knows what we need, but we still need to ask. But when we ask, we don't ask like we're informing him of something. You know, like we're, we're bringing some information to the table that he might have overlooked. So that's what he's trying to sort in how we pray and, and where we pray from. And that's what he's talking about down here in Matthew chapter 6, you know, verse um, 32, where he's talking about those who have no covenant, those who have no relationship, they just have to priest, uh, you know, press and push and, and, and fight and climb and claw to, to just get ahead and survive. He said, don't be like them. Your father, your heavenly father knows well that you need them all. He already, he already knows what we need. And so if he already knows what we need, why do we have to ask? I'm not sure when I shared this, but it was in a recent podcast on this same topic, the Kingdom Grant. I um, I talked about, you know, I gave an, an example that if you say you're going to church and you're, you know, sliding down the pew or going down the row of chairs and, and you're going by and, and some lady has their, their purse open. You know how ladies have sometimes those real nice big purses, you know, and big open top on it, whatever. So, and they got everything they need for their husband, their kids. And I mean, they're just big old bags sitting there. And what if you just saw a big stack of hundred dollar bills? I mean, you're just going to get your seat, but you just couldn't help but notice there's a big stack of money sitting just wide open on top of that purse. You have knowledge of that money. There's a lot of money. They're a big stack of hundreds. You have knowledge of it. You're just going to your, your seat at church. You're just getting your seat. You had to move past the bag. You, ha- you saw the money. You had knowledge of the money. But that does not mean you have permission to touch it. <laughs> just try touching it. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, just having a little fun here. But here's the point, and it's an important one, that just because you have knowledge of something doesn't mean you have permission And just because God knows about your need doesn't mean he has permission to get involved. And that's why we pray. We're just praying to get God's involvement because we know that he knows about it. We know that he he understands what we need. He's already said, hey, 
I want you to understand, I know I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies. So don't even worry about how valuable you are. You are the pinnacle of my creation. I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you. I want to protect you. And I know everything you need. Just get me involved. Just get me involved. And one of the great ways you can do that and I'm going to I'm going to say it here because we got to get into Matthew six thirty three before we wrap up. We got about five more minutes or so. Verse thirty three. But seek, aim at, strive after first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, and then all these things will be given to you besides. So God will give these things. You won't earn them, but all that He asks is that He be put first. Give him the first moments of the day. Give him the first. Just, I, don't even, I don't want to begin just laying out examples because I don't want to limit the impact and scope of what this looks like. But what does it look like to put God first? What does it look like at work? What does it look like in your marriage? What does it look like as a father or grandfather? What does it look like as a neighbor? You know, if you're a member of a congregation, a local fellowship, what does it look like to put God first? Again, not not religion. I'm talking about God, the relationship. What does it look to put God first financially? If we're talking about material and financial provision, a kingdom grant, then what does it look like to put God first financially? Well, you, you have to then look at the tithe. I mean, the first of all that we earn, the first tenth of all. I mean, people who commonly would say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Well, um, <laughs> it's just the first. Everybody has the same first amount. It's just the first tenth. And it's it's the thing that God said, you do this. Put me to the test. Malachi chapter 3, you can read all about it. In fact, in, in fact, let's just look at that then. I brought it up. Let me just let me just hit this real quick. Malachi three and ten. He says, "Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me." He said, "To prove me, put me to the test." Says the Lord of hosts, "If I will not open you the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it." And I will rebuke the devourer, the insects, the plagues for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruit in the field before its time, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will rise up and call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. And so he goes on with some other things he address. But here's the thing. Tithing is not an old Testament, just an old covenant thing. Tithing was something that was involved even before Moses gave the law and the Ten Commandments and the commonly was called the Old Covenant. Tithing was something that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. There was a portion of something that was God's and it wasn't man's. You know, it's it's seen at least in principle in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That fruit was in the garden. Man had to deal with it. He he had to obviously handle it, but he said, just don't eat it. He didn't say don't touch it. He said, don't eat it. The day you eat it, you will surely die. So he had, you know, that fruit was in the garden, but he couldn't eat it. That was God's portion. 
And in the same way, in principle, that's the principle of tithing. There's just a portion that's God's. And the tithe isn't the only thing. The Bible also says vengeance belongs to the Lord. So not only when we talk about things that belong to the Lord are we talking about just the matter of the tithe, but we're also talking about the the big, even more, not more weighty, but a significantly equally weighty thing is vengeance. We don't touch that either. We don't touch revenge. We don't touch that belongs to the Lord. And the tithe belongs to the Lord. And so if we're going to put God first financially, the, the tithe is just a starting point. And when you realize that all that I have is his, and that's not to shorten my life, that's not to cheapen my life, that's not to diminish my life, because you know what? In covenant language, I hope you're hanging with me here, men. In covenant language, when I say all that I have is yours, what happens when you got married, men? Did all that you have become hers? Did all that she have become yours? And when we entered into covenant with Jesus and we were called, Romans chapter 8, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, all that we have is His. I mean, don't I don't even, <laughs> the 10th the is just like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not worried about no 10th. All that I have is His. Because here's what's on the other side of that kind of covenant language. Now all that He has is mind. So you see, I'm not diminished by that level of surrender. I'm actually entering into the fullness of having no lack, no debt, continual increase, and an unending supply. I'm not diminished by that level of surrender and commitment and saying, All that I have is yours. I'm actually enlarged, I'm increased. And so talking about this kingdom grant and and receiving all that's been granted to us in Christ and allowing that to affect not only our spiritual walk, but our material and natural existence. God wants to bless us. God wants to increase us. He wants to make us influential. He wants to give us the ability to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing. Amen. And so I hope this short, again, conversation, just digging into the Word of God with you together, just talking the you know, last few weeks about a kingdom grant. I don't, we're not quite finished, but we're getting close. Not because it's, you know, we've exhausted all the information and revelation. No, 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 no. I'm just, you know, we may move on to some other conversations about other things, but enough to get you thinking, enough to get you praying, enough to get you moving forward, maybe on another level, another uh, a deeper flow in some of these things, because I'm telling you, men, none of us, and I'm including myself, none of us have fully walked in all that we have available to us. So that's why marksmen exist, so that we can keep pressing, so that we can keep reaching, because even as much as you might have walked in, there's more to experience. As much as you might have experienced, there's more on this adventure with God, this adventure in Christ, this adventure in the kingdom. And so, man, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Man, I, I hold you in my heart. I hold you in my prayers. Man, I would love to hear from you. If you just shoot me an email at Ministries 
at gmail.com, S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N, ministries, plural, at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know what your prayer requests are. I want to hear your testimonies. If there's anything you want to see talked about and brought to the table and, and brought into the conversation, just let me know what that is. But I'm telling you, we are living in exciting times. And it's time for our light to shine, men. It's time for us to rise up each day and aim our lives at Christ-likeness.